Hey, drivers, welcome to the Extra Mile podcast. I'm Eric Carley. My very first guest is Jamie Jones, managing editor of Landline Magazine. I've known her for a long time. She's a great friend, very knowledgeable. Today's conversation, the state of the industry, including hours of service, CSA, ELDs, as well as truck shows and much more. With her decades of experience in trucking, I can't think of a better guest to help us sort through it all than Jamie Jones. This is the Extra Mile Podcast. I'm Eric Harley. Drivers, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're really proud to be doing this now. We've been uh, this has been in the works for a long time, and I am proud to introduce my first guest. This is somebody I've known for many years. Uh, Jamie Jones is the managing editor of Landline Magazine. And we go back, I don't know how many years, but it's a long time. We're getting old. We don't have to count the years. We can just say long time. And she's with us right now. Jamie, how are you? Hey, Eric. I am great. And this is so exciting. We have talked about this for so many years, and I'm glad that it's finally becoming reality. <laughs> I, I know. You know, it's, it's, it's some, sometimes and we everybody gets busy, right? And you try and throw things together and you get these ideas, but... We really, around here uh, at the Red Eye uh, uh, Fort uh, here in Texas, we, we've been tossing the idea around for a long time. You and I have been talking about it at Shell Super Rigs back and forth for years. And we're going to get to that because, uh, well, let's just say someone didn't show for that event this year. Yeah, and, and, that. And uh, we're, we're going to go over that. And truck shows in general and everything else, we're going to talk about it. But... Um, I want to start with you. What, where did you get involved with trucking? I mean, what was it that drew you to the industry? Oh my gosh, it's it's funny that you ask that because I've I've been in this real retrospective kind of mood lately, you know. Yeah. And it was um, actually just a little over eighteen years ago, and the reason I know that so precisely. In fact, next month will be 18 years. Um, I had worked in mainstream journalism, had run community newspapers, um, was a sports editor for a daily in Arkansas, covered college sports, did all kinds of different things. Wow. And I had three kids within three and a half years. <laughs> and after Samantha showed up, I was like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I need to take a break. So I decided to try the whole stay-at-home mom, stay mom gig, you right. know, thinking, okay, you know, we, we've got this worked out. It's going to cost a boatload and daycare, you know, whatever. Yeah. I made it 10 months because <laughs> I am not built to be a stay-at-home mom. I was like, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, one more dirty diaper, one more spilled anything, one more non-adult conversation. I was going to lose my mind. One more episode of Price is Right. Oh, my gosh. I really do. I Stay-at-home moms are the fabric of America, and you are yeah. powerful women because yeah. I can't do it. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It is. <laughs> so I called up a friend of mine who was the publisher at the Trucker in Arkansas, and I said, dude, you got to give me a J-O-B right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. I need adult interaction. <laughs> and, I, and he said, well, you know, come to we need a, we need a business editor. And I'm like, yeah, you know, business is business. Mergers and acquisitions, I can handle it. I don't know anything about trucking, but... And long story short, man, it wasn't too long, and I wound up being managing editor of that paper. And four years later, I uh, 
got an offer to come up to Landline, and in the middle of all of it, I fell in love with truck drivers. I fell in love with the people. Yeah. And so it's just been the best, you know, long career path. You know, these 18 years of covering trucking have been the best, and I I can't wait to see what, you know, the future holds. It's it's so great. You know, I I love that story because I remember it was Shell Rotella Super Rigs in Lodi. This was my second year as a judge. That was your first, right? Correct. And it was... Well, to paint the picture, by the way, Lodi, Ohio, beautiful. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, the, the, the picturesque uh, red, white, and blue America. The, the, you know, oh, this it was is, beautiful, yeah. Right? It was just, just beautiful uh, at a great location. And then it's the first official day of summer, and a cold front comes through. And we start, the organizers uh, and, and our friends at Shell start opening the boxes of, of some gimmies they had namely jackets because we were freezing it got that cold on the first day of summer but then a really great crew from the travel channel shows up and they're going to start rolling tape and and doing uh a part of a special really on on truckers and you and i got to comment on you know on camera and it kind of uh i i was standing off to the side when 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 you were commenting and and i know you were standing off to the side when i was commenting and I was I was realizing, wow, we you know we're kind of kindred spirits here because she's seeing something that that I've I've seen in trucking, and I think a lot of people, especially those of us who don't actually drive, but are really kind of drawn to this industry and have a true love for this industry, a passion for the industry, see, you know, I mean that's and for me it was I didn't even you know I didn't at first even put together the 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 my family uh, history in trucking my. My uh, maternal grandfather, who drove truck for uh, an oil field uh, company, uh, and uh, owned by Howard Hughes, and back in the day, uh, went off to war, uh, World War II, and then came and drove a tank there. Came back and drove truck. In fact, he uh, the day he died, that's what he was doing. He died uh, a driving truck, and oh, wow. you know, and I never got to meet him. He died ten years before I was uh, born, but. I had not put that together when I started, you know, this job way back with, with Bill Mack in 96, right? And it was, I was drawn because Bill Mack was a legend, still a good friend of mine, but he became a mentor very quickly. And I was drawn to the industry. I was drawn to those, you know, those drivers out there and went to truck shows. And then immediately it was, you know, uh, talking to drivers. And what really drew me closer to them was the fact that, you were not you were going to get it straight there were they were going to they were going to tell you the truth you you knew you someone was talking to you and telling you something and was being completely honest about it and that was uh startling and and refreshing at the same time because in the media and and you know this i mean there's a lot of stuff that goes back and forth and and you know we we cover a lot of politicians and we have to sift through what is honest, what isn't honest, what is intellectually honest or not. And you were getting it. I was getting it from those drivers all the time. And and I really fell in love with, you know, the industry. And I and, and I saw when when you were coming on board, when how long had you been in the industry when you were at, at, at uh, Super Rigs in, in Lodi? That would have been two years. Yeah, so yeah. at that point, because when I when you bring in a new journalist, 
um, to the industry. I always tell them, dude, it's going to be like nine months. You're right. going to feel like you are in a foreign land, right. talking a foreign language for nine months, that trucking is so unique in its community that way. Right. So, you know, two years in, I knew enough to be slightly dangerous, <laughs> <laughs> maybe to myself and others, right, you know. Right, right. But at that point, you know, I was able to sort through the – the God's honest truth that yeah. they were telling me right. and when they were trying to get me with a trucker tail. So I was right. savvy enough yeah. at that point that I wasn't <laughs> falling for the trucker tails. And so, you know, but that, that's part of the fun of it, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I, it just really, it made it, made it so good. And, you know, there was kind of, when you first get into it, there's kind of this, you get a sideways glance from a lot of drivers and they're like, yeah, but you really don't know trucking. Right. Yeah. You ha- yeah. you don't have a CDL. You right. don't know it. And you know what? I, I learned early on to own that. You're right. I don't. Right. I don't yeah. drive a truck. Right. I don't. I That's not my place in this world. My place, and I figured it out, is I am the weirdo who will bail through an 800-page highway bill and enjoy it yeah. and figure out <laughs> yes. the important parts for what. The drivers need to know, right. and I'm willing to do that to make their lives easier. And it's it's just this symbiotic relationship. They bring the goods to us so right. that we can do our jobs. Yep. We bring the information back to them so that they stay informed and know what is coming down the pipe at them next. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, and and this is what I was before I came to this show. I was testing to go into law enforcement. My dad was uh, was a career military law enforcement officer. And he, you know, talked me out of it twice of going into law enforcement. Um, he, he said to me, well, if you do that, you'll be in your 50s working overnights. Well, here I am in my 50s working overnights. But I, I still <laughs> I love my job, though. It, it's I just find that kind of ironic. But I, he said, you know, he was telling me about, look, you it's it's one thing to wear the badge, but you've got to go out and serve a community. So if you want to do it, here's how you're going to have to do it. And then this job popped up, and I was like, oh, wow, a chance to work with Bill Mack, a a chance to do something. But then it hit me as soon as I came on board. It was like, oh, wait a minute. We're doing something more. It's not just your regular radio companionship. It's that, but it's also we need to bring drivers information, right? And Mm -hmm. so I knew little about it. And, of course, I I learned a lot very quickly, like, like you said. Uh, I'm a fairly quick study, but a lot of that came from exactly what you just said. And that was, I need to be able to be the student because in order to learn, I mean, that's what you have to be. But more importantly in this industry, you're pretty much always the student. And if you're not out there driving and doing it, you're not going to gain that experience. So you're going to have to be the student. And, you know, I've seen you go through things and 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 like you said you know going through a 800 page highway bill or something and and sifting through and finding something and i've seen that passion at work and i've kind of you know felt that in the back of my mind uh the first time that they the first change on hours of service as it came across oh my gosh we all remember we taking it and then you just pretty much locked yourself in a room right of what does this mean what is it that they can and can't do? What is it going to change? And all of that. And then, of course, everything else along the way. I mean, 
equipment changes and everything else. So it's been this wonderful journey, and I still feel like I'm the freshman. I'm the I'm the newbie uh, because for a lot of these drivers, I am. I mean, they've been driving a uh, truck for a long time, and and even though 22 years for me in this chair for uh, uh, you know going back to our old show and now on Red Eye it, uh, this December to be 22 years, but it is still. You know that feeling of of, of learning and and that that same passion. I know it is uh, with you too. Uh, we're gonna. I, I want to talk more about uh, super rigs and other truck shows here in just a few minutes. But let's let's get down to some things, some issues, and and when is there a quiet time in trucking? It's it's never been the case. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, no, it, no, there is no such creature. <laughs> it 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 seems like uh, there's uh, right now. It, it it almost seems like they're intensifying because, and I think it, it's, I'm feeling maybe just a touch of what drivers feel on an everyday basis, that, that grip of regulation, right? Uh, getting tighter and tighter. And because I can feel that in the details of all this new regulation. So I'm going to throw some things out. I'm just going to say the issue. And then you, you kind of, I guess, compartmentalize it and 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 just feedback any way that you want to on on these things okay before we do that i want to throw one little observation out when you said quiet time in the industry and i laughed and said there wasn't yeah i tell you what we did have one and that is when president trump first took office yeah really yeah all the regulation pipeline was shut down and it was that was a first in my experience and it was like oh my gosh what are we going to do what? You know, how is this going to work? I right. mean, right. I'm not tracking 25 more regulations coming at these guys and gals. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, what is this really going to lead to? And I think in a way it was the calm before the storm. Right. Um, it's, it is absolutely the break tap that the industry needed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we had to stop. Yeah, things haven't changed real quick, but... Boy, howdy, they're getting ready to. Did so, did that give us a new perspective? You think on the the heavy hand of the government, the the, the tight grip of regulation? I tell you what, I mean, um, for me, and you know, here at OOIDA headquarters, it was almost like. I mean, I think we all caught our breath and went, "Is this for real?" I mean, we have you know campaigned against overregulation, the pace of regulation, everything for so long that it was like. Wait a minute. Yeah. Somebody finally is getting it. Yeah. Now it's great that it's all stopped right now, but what are what's going to happen next? So right. it was I think there was some cautious optimism, um some anxiety yeah, <laughs> to right. what it was going to happen next cuz yeah. this was new territory for yeah. us. Yeah. So I think we need to put that in, you know, drop that into the middle of this conversation for some context because things are very different than they were two years ago in a lot of ways. You know, what's interesting is that you guys at Landline uh, and, and, and being there at the OIDA headquarters, you guys really, I mean, are you're not in the frying pan. You're in the fire every oh, we're day. We're immersed, yeah. You know, and, and so when, when it's a different perspective than even what we would have here because, uh, you know, we, uh, I'm, I don't consider myself a journalist. Uh, you're a journalist. So for me, I'm commenting on it and then directing uh, the, you know, maybe issue an opinion, uh, it, but more importantly, direct the drivers on 
where to find the more details or or the story or the information, right? So mm-hmm. so that's something that actually I didn't pick up on. I knew I guess I knew it was going on and I I knew how the new administration was acting on a number of regula- uh, regulatory items uh for uh, just about every industry, right? But when when that happened, I didn't think of you guys sitting around and going, okay, what? I mean, that's because that's, I can, I can only imagine the feeling now. That's the first I've heard that. And I think it's a, a, a huge point and a great prelude to, uh, you know, what, uh, what we're going to talk about here. And so I'll just kick it off with ELDs. You know, they are likely here to stay. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who still aren't happy with, um, you know, the the nanny government aspect of it, having every minute of their lives tracked. And I certainly wouldn't be thrilled with that, you know, from a right. personal perspective. I'm a, I'm a private person in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I can see where that's an uncomfortable place to be. Um, and as hard as the association fought against it, you know, we had one successful lawsuit early on, um, wasn't quite so successful at the tail end, you know, throwing everything at it, including a Supreme Court challenge. Mm. Um, we kind of knew in the back of our heads that if it did come to pass, which it has, um, what would happen, and that is it was going to be the magnifying glass you know, amplifying the sun on the ant problem of the hours of service regulations. I mean, it was going to put the brightest light on the problems with hours of service, and that's exactly what it has done. Yeah. In addition to creating parking issues and, you know, everybody's trying to run on the same hours of the day. Yeah. I, it, the logistics of it, you know, maybe you're starting to shake out a little. They aren't for everybody by any means. Mm. And I mean, if there's a way uh, to get it rolled back and overturned, I know OIDA is going to find it because that conversation is still going on here. Right, right. But, you know, the reality is for today, it's here. And, you know, what we have to do is take what information from it we can and start making changes in this new environment of less regulation and that's what we were able to do by getting the hours of service conversation moving earlier this year. Well, and that's what I was going to next. The next issue was going to be hours of service because the the thought had been, and I heard it from, uh, you know, people that were uh, career commercial enforcement officers, uh, that if we got to a point, this was years ago, we got to a point of mandatory, uh, you know, electronic logging, uh, then maybe it brings back the flexibility in hours of service. Maybe we don't need to be so stringent and what drivers would call just all out stupid on hours of service. And someone actually did the breakdown in the mainstream media. It wasn't too long ago, but I, it was the breakdown that drivers have had always, you know, posed. And that was, look, if you're going through Atlanta, you know, if a driver has to sit an hour and a half or two hours in traffic to get through Atlanta, why not let them take the nap and then get through the traffic and help alleviate at least, uh, you know, 50, 60 feet of that traffic in the meantime by pulling over, getting some rest, uh, and then getting through that traffic later 
when uh, or getting through that that city that area later when that traffic is gone. Uh, but but the main point is bring back that bring back that flexibility that was lost in all the changes on on hours of service. What is what do you think right now? I won't ask you to put um, percentage numbers to it, but what do you think the likelihood of of real hours of service change is based on this this effort, as you mentioned, that was launched uh, earlier this year? I think we have an exceptional chance to get a very good start at meaningful reform of the hours of service regulations. I think we're going to see flexibility built back into the 14 hours. Um, now, if that's in the way of a split sleeper berth, a change to that, right. um, if that's in the way of uh, something like OOIDA's proposed uh, voluntary three-hour off-duty during the day, um, that you can you know, essentially not count that against your 14 hours. Um, right, right getting rid of the mandatory rest break. It's not that people don't want to take a rest break. It's don't put it on a clock where they have to, and they have to pull over at some stupid time in a stupid location. Right. You know? um, so I think we're going to see some really good um, start. Yeah. Um, Administrator Ray Martinez, he gets it. You know, I mean, I have, uh, honestly, in my career, I when I started, uh, covering trucking, I had no idea what a what a big time that was. Yeah. That was the first year of the FMCSA, so I have had um, a familiar relationship with every administrator that comes through, mm. and I think Administrator Martinez is really embracing the Trump administration's. Let's look hard at regulation and what is working and what is not working. Right. And if it's not working, let's fix it. Yeah. And that's really what we're seeing right now. And they're listening to drivers. They're listening to associations like OIDA. And, you know, not we're not seeing the mega fleets. Hmm. And we're not seeing the safety groups driving this truck of hours of service reform this time. Yeah. They have always been the ones, you know, pushing that change, making it tighter, making it right. tighter, making it tighter. And drivers have pushed back to the point that, no, we're going to do it our way this time. And that, to me, is a very impressive turn of events. That's interesting because I was going to ask you, where are the groups like Public Citizen and all of them that years ago? I mean, it was, you know, this was their uh, torch that they were carrying against the industry and obviously with little experience, no experience at all, and, and looking to make change and, and, and demonize really in the process the, the, the truckers of America. I, I mean, is, is that element missing? I mean, is it, it, that's, as you mentioned, these safety groups really aren't, aren't driving it. So without that, that resistance, the industry really has the ear right now of the FMCSA. I mean, is that the case? Well, you know, they've been really, really quiet through the vast majority of this commenting process in the listing sessions. Yeah. And as um, I get to be a fly on the wall <laughs> around OIDA from yeah. time to time, and right. as they were crafting their proposal on, um, you know, just a kicking off point. I mean, it wasn't that this was the end-all, be-all solution, but it was definitely – they intended it to be the kicking off point to get hours of service reform conversation going, to throw an idea out there so people could potentially make it better. And as that conversation was evolving, we realized that 
we had a very defensible position on everything if the safety groups did come on an attack. Because here's the one thing that they don't have going for them. Large truck involved crash fatalities are continuing to increase. Hmm. Now, that's, you know, for anybody on just raw numbers, that that's horrible. More yes. people are dying. Right. And, you know, I don't, I don't even care at this point who is at fault. Right, right. You know, I mean, because we know that uh, 85% of the time it's not the fault of the truck driver. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that they're still losing their lives. So as long as that number has gone up, with the safety group saying, no, 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 by making it stricter, 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 we've done a good thing, the numbers aren't agreeing with that. Yeah, right. We should be seeing declines in hours of service. Sure. So there's a very strong defense to putting flexibility back in there. And yesterday, it's funny because the last listening session that they held in D.C. is the first time I heard any of the safety groups step up and talk. Mm. And it was almost like, come on, guys, we've worked so hard to get it here. Leave it alone. You know, yeah. we've had all this research. It was almost pleading yeah. with right. rather right. than they didn't, ha- they didn't have the strong position of numbers behind them. Right. You right. know, truckers do at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out because they just don't have the foothold that they had in the past. Things have gotten worse. Under the new hours of service, under CSA, they haven't gotten better. You know, I was good. <laughs> Are you looking at my list? Do you have a camera no, in my studio? We've the worked next together for I- so long, I can read your mind. <laughs> my next item is CSA. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's this is this is weird, but it, it's it, it really is. I mean, honestly, we we I, we've had that intuitive relationship for a long, long time on industry items and and in conversations, which is why we've always wanted to do this. But it is. Uh, because so many things are going on, and and for the people who cover it, it's it's important, you know, to to point these things out. CSA has not created a better operating environment for the industry. I, I mean, where am I off on that statement, if at all? Uh, you're not. Yeah. So I mean, where where does the change there come? I mean, where do we where do we get the the reins? from CSA to be loosened. I mean, is there any hope for that? The problem the problem that you have with CSA goes back to the problem that you have with the agency overall and that the, there are just too darn many regulations that don't mean anything about safety. Right. Okay? Right. Right. It, it's all about compliance. Mm-hmm. It's about obeying the rules. Right. And, you know, when you look at C, we that's another one. We got the first handbook on CSA, and I mean, we sat, we have, we uh, call it the war room here in Landline, yeah. and I sat in there, and I peeled this thing apart, uh, and uh, believe it or not, for two years in college, I thought I wanted to be an accountant, so I have an accounting background, so I love numbers, so actually CSA kind of spoke to me in a weird way, too, Right. and as we started playing with those numbers, it was like, mm, this isn't going to work. But even as the numbers didn't work, we started looking at page after page after page of regulations that motor carriers um, would be scored on and drivers in the background. There never was a public driver scorecard, but FMCSA kept tabs on them through CSA. Mm-hmm. We looked at all of that, and it was stuff that made no sense. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible how dumb 
some of the scoring was and how and the more you looked at it, it was like this is all about gotcha yeah, you know right. oh you didn't obey these rules you know i'm sorry form and manner violations on a logbook doesn't make you less or more dangerous right if you forgot to write a zip code big freaking deal right right so you know csa it, it, they need to get a grip on what the agency's mission is and that's safety and not compliance. And, you know, um, that's what it's going to have to take. I'm, I don't have a lot of faith hmm. right now. Right. I, I have very little faith, truthfully, that the new incarnation of CSA is going to be any better for the industry. They're going to use mystery math, you know, this time. Yeah. Well, great, you know. But it's still the same regulations. It's still the same attitude of, well, you broke the rules, so that makes you less dangerous. Well, the rule of having, you know, red and white conspicuity tape as opposed to green and white because it matches my paint job does not make you any more or less safe. Don't write it. That's stupid. Right. Well, and it's, you know, for me, it's it's almost like uh, it is a pass or fail, but not just a pass or fail. It's a pass or fail on a level one inspection every time, potentially. You know, you know what I mean? Every mm-hmm. event, uh, whether it's a, a, you know, a stop or an accident or, or whatever, it is it is that pass or fail mentality. And and the world of trucking is not that black and white, because as you mentioned, and I think it's a brilliant point that it is we're not talking about the items that you can say and you can draw the direct line in terms of safety. We're talking about compliance lines now look when it comes to brakes and 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 we i know we all know this there are there have been bad actors in the industry for a long long time but uh there and in, in, in terms of maintaining equipment or whatever it might be but the fact of the matter is is that these little things are are because a driver is non-compliant because that score starts to you know uh, edge up for that carrier and then all of a sudden that driver's not attracted uh, attractive to that carrier anymore. All of that spells what? Putting somebody on the curb potentially because of a light bulb, you know, because of a, you know, whatever small item it might be. Uh, it, it just, it, it's always felt wrong. And I just, for me, I've just been against the whole idea from, from day one. And as you mentioned, we'll see what happens uh, down the road. Um, you mentioned we, we started by talking uh, earlier about uh, uh, truck shows. Uh, you and I have been uh, uh, judges at Shell Rotella Super Rigs uh, for years. I <laughs> did not make it in the summer of 2018, mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. and I was I was looking forward to this. And I I rarely get sick enough to miss a truck show, but um, in fact, it's only happened one other time years ago. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't get on a plane, but this summer I, I just I was too sick to get on the plane. And I'm sitting there in my in my room because I'm I'm pretty much in bed for, you know, a, days at that point. I, I, I stayed in, in bed for three or four days at least. But there's my empty suitcase sitting at the, you know, right there next to my dresser. And I'm just I'm just it. The feeling was so bad. I just I felt like I had slept through Christmas. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just because you and I have that uh, that that's kind of our reset. It's a lot of work. It's a great show being and and being a judge is a terrific honor. But it's not showing up to that show, not being able to go to that show, 
was a big deal for me. But, uh, you know, you and I have been judging of that show for years, and, and you and I were in constant communication uh, via text and, and messages uh, throughout that show. But, uh, but that was a good show. I like Super Rigs because of what it has become and, and the, the mission statement behind it uh, about working trucks. Uh, we see a lot of great trucks out there, but, but you and I have judged some trucks out there that are great working trucks that, uh, going back to Vlad Billick out of California oh, yeah, yeah, years, yeah. years ago, uh, that has is, that is won uh, Best of Show twice. But, I mean, these are working trucks, and, and it, it turns out to be a really great show. What are your thoughts on, on, on truck shows in general? I mean, the average truck show, that's, that's a show truck uh, kind of show where it's a beauty pageant, but it's also turned into a big event uh, as well, and it's it's a lot of fun. But it's not the kind of show where, um, like a Mid America, where you go from you know booth to booth and 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 all these different vendors. Um, what do you think of those types of truck shows, the, the Mid Americas and the Great American Trucking Show? Uh, is do those still pique drivers' interests? Well, they still get attendance, and. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's definitely there's a, there's a place for everything right. in the industry. Um, you know, of course, that's that's big for the motor carriers. They do a lot of recruiting at those big shows. Um, it's a chance for a lot of product vendors to get face to face with people and potentially make a sale or things like that. Um, to me, that's more of a business to business show, right? If yeah. you will, yeah. it's. Yeah. Um, you know, you're there to have a little bit of fun, but hopefully learn something and take something away from it that's going to help you conduct yourself and your business on the road a little bit better. Right. You know, a little bit easier. Yeah. And like I said, those shows have their purpose in life, and we we support them. We go to them. Sure. Um, are they my favorite? Mm, eh, you know, once I'm not caught up in – the actual show, I guess, right. when I get right. to go out right. to Papa John uh, yeah. or <laughs> when I get to break loose from the machine of press conferences. I love all I, we love all of our corporate supporters. I'm sure, not sure. I'm not dissing on that. But when you get to connect with the drivers. Yeah. And I right, think right. that's why Super Rigs is so special, because even though we're sitting there being very judgmental about their trucks, <laughs> we are um, learning so much about the people, too. And that's what makes that kind of event um, all the more special in my mind because it's not only a celebration of the beautiful truck, it's the people who put that together and work it. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the team. The the driver and the truck, they go together, and often (laughs) we see them climb out of the cab, and it's like, oh, no, that driver belongs to that truck. I mean, that was the Mm -hmm. case with with Vlad Billick, but countless others over the years that when, when they get down, you know, when they're climbing out of the cab, it's like, Yep, that guy There's or that no gal belongs that Todd to that. Rockapuri yeah. owned Widowmaker. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Wow, the stories we could tell. And you know what? I think we'll probably plan on doing because I will. I absolutely will be at Shell Road Tele Super Rigs next year uh, in 2019, and I want to do a podcast there so we can talk with the other judges, uh, Cliff Abbott and Steve Sturgis. Uh, and get them involved in the podcast too, but you know, it, but it is it is that. It, but I've learned so much from those drivers. You and I, in fact, we at times we have people, you know, uh, because it's it, for those who don't know. If you've never been, 
you the the contestants drive through the judge line. They don't sit in place. And so we will have time to walk around their truck, climb inside their truck, uh, and talk to the driver. And if, you know, if, if, if trucks are lining up, and it's going to be a busy day, often uh, the other uh, uh, organizers have to tap us on the shoulder and say, wrap up the conversation. But we have great conversations, and, and they're real learning moments and have been over the years for me. And, and, and all the, the smart people, the Dan Arces and everybody at Shell that, that kind of talk about, and Steve Sturgis. Uh, oh, ta- yeah. You know, that, that have uh, taught us about the equipment itself. And and uh, still today, again, you know, that's the, those are the student moments. And uh, but I'm with you. You know, those shows are, are really great. Uh, they're kind of a blur because, you know, we have to cover them. So people like you and I are working. Right. So it, it's kind of a, it's, it definitely is a working thing. But then you have the shell super rigs, which is it is a lot of work. But we get to spend a lot of time with drivers, you know, one-on-one. And then there's the, uh, you know, the, the four-state trucks and G-Bats. You went to that this year, right? I have only not been to three of them. And this wow. one was, I was at the first one, yeah. um, reminiscing with uh, Jerry Kissinger about illegally shooting off big-time fireworks. <laughs> I was, uh, was that the first one? Uh, yes. did, did he do the first and second one? Because I was there when he did the fireworks uh, and, and it was, uh, that was very impressive. Um, it was, yeah. and it, you know, he said, Hey, you want to help me rig these fireworks? I was like, sure. I have no idea what I'm doing, but why not? You know, so we got these are, by the way, the, the, the pro type fireworks. I mean, the, yes, the, the display, yes, these are professional grade fireworks. Yeah, yes. So I go back there. It's Jerry Kissinger, me and Randy Rebelard. Yeah. Rest, rest in peace, Randy Rebelard. Yes. Yes. And we're back there, and they're showing me how to wire these things. And so, well, about that time, I'm like, so, you know, these are these are like big. Do we have to have a permit to do it? Mm-hmm. Kissinger's like, nope, we're going to ask for forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm kind of laughing. Uh, and at that point, Jocelyn PD makes a loop behind the shop, and I'm like ducking under the table like, right. oh, crap, it's the fuzz. And, you know, <laughs> Cops. Yeah, <laughs> and they were laughing at me like, "Come on, Jones, it's not going to be that bad." But you know, I mean, so that's the first year. It'd yeah. Be bad. Well, this year there's 700 trucks. Oh my goodness! They've got bull riding. They've uh, got an evil Knievel stunt show. They've got big rig burnouts. I swear, we had so much fun. Yeah. And OID teamed up with them this year, yeah. celebrating the 45th anniversary of the association, 10th. Um, annual uh, G-Bats, so it was yeah. just a great, um, great environment, and that's another one of those shows, and that's why the ones that I like to go to the most, because you do spend more time talking to the people. Right. It's yeah. more yeah. about what's inside the truck in terms of the person as opposed to the truck itself, yeah. and so when you get the chance to go to a G-Bats, a Wapon, or maybe go to like a Special Olympics convoy. I went to one of those this year with um, South Dakota. They invited me back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's so special that I, it was seven years ago I went for the first, second time. And I took my then 13-year-old son with me. And I thought, he'll have fun, you mm-hmm. know, be a weekend. Mm-hmm. Peel one of my kids off by themselves, you know, and just have some one-on-one time. Yeah. He is 20 and is a physics major in college and made things happen so he could go again this year. I love it. I love it. By the way, 
I also love, uh, and I'm going to shed some light on your personal life. You've talked about it enough that I feel comfortable in doing this. And and people know, I mean, the drivers that know you, which is pretty much most of them, if not all. But, I mean, you in, have involved uh, your kids and introduced them into trucking, and, and, and they, they totally get it. Uh, your daughter, Sam, who went off to college this year, um, you know, uh, even though she's still close to home, she's, you know, she's off to college. And all of us who know her from working at Super Rigs for years, uh, you know, we, we feel like the, the uncles and the aunts, you know, <laughs> that, that are, you know, watching another, you know, niece go off to college. And, and, and it is just great in, in how you have, again, and you don't, you know, you're, you're not trying to, you know, I, I know you're not trying to uh, white coat anything. You're not trying to uh, paint it as something that it's not. The kids get to see the very real trucking industry. But I think it's a positive learning experience. I know that looking on, it seems to be for them. And it, I, I just think it's great. It really has been great to watch. It's, it's just well, and that was kind of, the, kind of the thing. I mean, um, while I went back to work, uh, took a job in trucking. I was married, but uh, shortly thereafter became a single mom and had, you know, custody of these three kids. And it was, it had to be a way that I could, um, trucking meant enough to me that I felt obligated to teach my kids a more responsible and um, way of looking at trucking, if you will. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. they they were raised to respect these people right. who make lives happen. We had our games on our road trips where let's guess what's in the trailer. That one's <laughs> got peanut butter. That one's got jelly. That one's got bread. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, we did all kinds of things from the time that they were little, but you know, when I started being able to air, take them to truck shows, you know, cause I mean, we work hard yeah, right. and that they could keep up and hang on. Um, what I see now are more super fans and they really do appreciate what's, what, what happens in the trucking community. Um, Samantha had to give a how to speech, uh, typical freshman year kind of assignment. Right. Yeah. And she does have her mother's gift of gab, believe <laughs> it or not. <laughs> and <laughs> her topic was how to drive safe around big trucks. Oh, beautiful. How great so is that? Here's a, you know, classroom of a hundred college freshmen getting a solid lesson because yeah, we gave her all the graphics she needed and everything. So right. it was beautiful. So I that's just love that. another. I, so thank you. Yes, I am proud of them. They're they're good kids. Well, it's it's been so great to witness it, and and it really has been. Look, we're going to you know we're going to make this a regular thing because I I see you uh, you know just like a Steve Sturgis on equipment uh, you so have not your finger you have both hands on the pulse of the industry because you insist on doing it that way because your passion drives you to do it that way because you know this is this is what drives you and it, it's so great to witness that and I, I i appreciate that uh so because i learn from it i learn all right what did, what is it to find the truth like i said i'm not a journalist and you are in a true sense of the word but beyond that serving a group of individuals in an industry that is getting harder and harder uh, to to survive in business wise, and and that is uh, something to I I think to, uh, to 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 witness and 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 learn from and and I I do just that. So we're going to tap into you 
and your brain every chance we get, like I said, next year at Super Rigs. Okay, well, you're starting to gush. I'll well, come back on, Eric. <laughs> I know. Well, the thing is, is that, it, 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 you know, because I think about the people that I've I've learned from over the years. I, I wouldn't, I, nobody is self-taught. Nobody is self-made. I don't believe in those words. You know, it's it's the people that you surround yourself with. And to me, the most attractive people out there, especially in this industry, are the ones who have that passion. And whether it's drivers or or people in 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 the media, uh, you, uh, Steve Sturgis, the people you know that that are 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 testing equipment, those those kind of things, we have to learn. I we we have to be able to. I think as an industry, learn from those individuals. And for me, of course, I mean it benefits me in in my job every day. But it, it's just something great to witness along the way. But um, you know, next time we're together, uh, we'll talk about you know uh, where we are. We'll get caught up on hours of service. Uh, we'll get caught up on a, a number of things. But if, if you were to say right there and sitting at OIDA headquarters, what 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 would you say before we let you go is the one thing that owner operators need today that they're not getting? And yes, I did whittle it down to one thing, but it could be a category. Uh, but but what is what would you say is the one thing owner operators are not getting that they need? Respect. Um, there's too much pressure from the mega fleets trying to push them out of business. Um, there's not enough at the agency level realizing that, um, depending on where you want to make the breakdown, 96, 95% are people with 20 or fewer trucks in the industry. I mean, it's the vast majority of the industry is the small business owner operator and they're not, it's not a segment we want to see go away. Um, that's purely rhetoric from the profit-driven mega fleets. Right. Um, we need to we need to embrace them more and quit treating them like some kind of rogue agents out there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well said. Uh, I, w- I would expect nothing less from you. Um, <laughs> you put me on the spot on that one though. I was like, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, because I, I knew that in your mind it was going to, you know, whittling it down to one, but that was the one. I mean, that is the, the answer. And, and I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and, uh, that's what I know that the, uh, that, that you folks at landline and OIDA strive for every day, uh, working for those owner, owner operators out there. Um, and, and it's, it is a big deal. There are so many things, uh, always in the frying pan and in the fire, uh, here in the trucking industry. And we're going to get to those on, on future, uh, editions of this podcast. So that'll be awesome. Thank you for, for being my guest, Jamie Jones, the managing editor of landline magazine. Look, uh, I love watching you work. Thank you. And, and I, uh, you know, I couldn't think of anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, uh, that would be better as a first guest and, and be able to launch this thing of ours, uh, what we're doing now. And, and we hope drivers get something from it, uh, a little bit of entertainment, a lot of information, and uh, and some insight maybe where you didn't get it uh, somewhere else. But uh, we're glad to do it and, and hope to do a lot more with Jamie Jones. Jamie, love you bunches. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, my my uh, my love to the kids, and uh, and uh, we want you to have a, a great, great, uh, if we don't talk to you, Uh, Before then, a great holiday season coming up. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Eric. Love you, too. All right.